Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been, and will always be, about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, back from the dead on Buckets. It's been ages. I'm here. I'm here with Joe Dallara and Jim Turby. The gang is back together to bring you some Friday Buckets presented by BetMGM, as always here on Buckets. We're excited. We just finished watching an enthralling Lakers 7,000-point beatdown in the in-season tournament. We're recording Thursday night after the game. The usual Friday crew, Matt Moore and Sean Little, are in Vegas to cover the games live. I believe they're coming to you live from Vegas uh, with, well, live, live, they're, they're live. They won't be alive when you listen to them. They'll hopefully still be alive when you listen to them. But you can listen to them sometime Friday or Saturday covering the title game for Saturday night between the Indiana Pacers and the Los Angeles Lakers, fresh off their victories Thursday we today are going to give you three things. We're going to give you Friday best bets off the top for the slate of non-in-season tournament games coming Friday night. Big full slate. We will talk a little bit more about the in-season tournament and react a little bit to what we saw Thursday, take an early look at the championship matchup. And then it's Friday. So a little quick futures Friday exercise at the end to wrap up. Jim, Joe, we're glad to have you guys on. We got a lot to get to today, so I'm going to skip the formalities and get right to it. Let's get to our best bets for the Friday slate at the top. Jim Turvey, give me your Friday best bets. Got Thunder minus three and a half, and I've got Clippers minus six and a half. All righty. And Joe, you've got a couple of props. What are you looking at? I'm looking at Jason Tatum over 25 and a half points against the New York Knicks and Chet Holmgren over 24 and a half points plus rebounds against the Golden State Warriors. All right. So we've got a couple picks here from Thunder Warriors, Thunder at home against the Warriors. 
I like to think of this as the actual in-season tournament championship. These are the teams we're really all here to see. So let's start with that one. Jim, give us your cap for why you're on the Thunder minus three and a half. Yeah, this is this seems like a stale line to me. This this doesn't seem like a line that should be for the 2023-24 Warriors and Thunder and a game in Oklahoma City. They should be favored by more than one point. So these two teams have had much different seasons. Um, the Warriors have disappointed so far, and the Thunder have been, you know, among the fun breakout stories of the season. Uh, the the Warriors, what what really intrigues me about them though, they don't have any good wins. They are four and nine against teams over five hundred this season, and two of them come with a very heavy asterisk. One of them was against uh, the Kings without De'Aaron Fox. They did beat the Kings with Fox. Um, we know they kind of love playing the Kings, so you know even that one you can make an argument. It's not maybe the most impressive win, but it, it's a win over team against a team over five hundred with their their best players. The other one is against the Thunder without SGA. Now the Thunder and Warriors have played twice since that game. You remember that was the game with the tip in that was even controversial um, in the early in season tournament that kind of decided the fates of both teams there. Um, and that one was with SGA. The two that they have played since were Thunder wins. Um, and both in Golden State. Now, this one's back in Oklahoma City. I make this five and a half. Um, I, so there's even a little bit of wiggle room for me here. The Thunder, um, they're, they, they've got a lot that they can throw at what has become basically Steph Curry and a lot of uh, washed players. Maybe that's the washed offensively, <laughs> at least, players. Um, so between SGA, who is playing at a top five to ten defensive player in the whole league right now level who can play on curry they also have length and young athletic people to throw at him over and over again on the flip side the words really don't have anyone to throw at sga so i i really think this is a great spot for the thunder and and joe i know you're on a, a thunder prop i'm curious if if you lean that direction as well though yeah no definitely i like the thunder i think your cap is good and a big part of that too is chet holmgren's been dynamite right and he's this line i think is just a touch low at 24 and a half he's gone over this in two of three games head to head against the warriors and they've kind of adjusted the line like if you look at his hit rate over the course of the whole season it's actually not very good on this line he's only hit this in 35 percent of games but he's two-thirds against the warriors averaging 33.7 pr and he has a double double in two of the three games so he's been really really good and i think that a large part of that is the warriors don't really have like somebody that's a great matchup for him like i guess the best option is draymond but then like do you really want to use draymond on what's the number like two or three or maybe even four depending on who's on the floor like offensive option for them probably not like that's not really the best use of Draymond and that's not even really how the Warriors use Draymond um, additionally Kevon Looney over the course of this season has looked a little slow like it looks like there's like a little <laughs> bit more cement in his shoes and it's a problem for trying to defend a guy like Chet um, he had that big moment where he sent that he took that crazy like inbound buzzer beater to send the game to overtime against the Warriors and like we know he likes playing against them he's comfortable against them he's had some big games I think the 24 and a half I like the combo prop just because I do see some upside in the rebounds uh and I think he can also go off in terms of his scoring so the 24 and a half I think is just a bit low against a team that just doesn't really feel like they have somebody that can guard him properly yeah, the Kevon Looney thing feels like a problem for them. I'm not really too sure what he's supposed to do in this matchup when Chad Holmgren is out there. So, yeah, I don't I don't know how you necessarily match up. Then I would hope 
Wiggins, maybe the way that he kind of broke out last week, maybe he's the guy that you put on Shea that you can't, you've got Jalen Williams to defend. Like it's a, it's a mess that they don't have a lot of answers to. So it makes a lot of sense that OKC would be the pick here. Uh, We're going to talk about, uh, well, at least one of these teams later. Uh, Spoiler alert, (laughs) we'll be talking about both of them. Thanks to my ballot as we got there. But (laughs) I do think that the OK, the OKC seems like the side here and Chet seems like a good way to play it. Joe, would you, if you like OKC as well, would you like do a same game on this? Would you put those together? Is it correlated for you? Uh, I think you could. It's not like super correlated to me. Um, I think that like, obviously, like if Chet has like a big game, like sure. But I think it would be more like if he scored 20 points rather than like the combo prop. So like, I think like the combo prop, you know, you can get there with like a 15 and 10 game, right? Um, yeah. Or, you know, like a 17 and eight or or something like that. I think my math's right, right? But um, <laughs> like, but, like I think like it would be a little bit more correlated if he was like, going to have like a 20 or 25 point game. Then I think it'd be a little bit closer to that because then it's like they really struggled defending him, which probably means that like it opened up a lot of other things offensively for OKC. Yeah, that makes sense. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, let's go to Utah. And Jim, you're on the Clippers minus six and a half on the road in Utah. Why do you like the Clippers here? Yeah, so for the last game, it was kind of looking at two teams who are moving different directions for the season as a whole. This is two teams that are moving different directions of late. Um, And I think the the Jazz have a lot. uh, They they need to send like an early holiday game. Thank you to the the Pistons and Spurs who have these mega long losing streaks that are kind of taking the attention off of just how bad the Jazz have been this season. Um, by just a net rating, they're actually third worst in the league and lower than the Pistons. So th- this is a team that is it's very quietly. I mean, the last game wasn't quiet. You got uh, that amazing clip from uh, from from coach there saying the it was uh, a, a real disaster. 50 point loss to the Mavs. Um, that was a. Uh... That was an absolutely horrendous performance from start to finish. Um, that was a masterpiece of dog shit. Uh, and it was. Uh, and it, that has not been a rarity for the Jazz. Um, Laurie Markin is out. They've looked pretty poor with Laurie out. 
And and the Clippers are finally starting to put things together, not in the, the sense that I want to hop on the bandwagon for their long-term future. That's not something I'm going to do. I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> but I do think for right now, um, they're going to, they're going to, this starting five that they've got, um, is starting to put together a nice little little um, run of play here. They're plus eleven point four in one hundred and sixty seven minutes. They even they started playing Harden with some of the bench guys um, in the last game against Denver. That was a really nice win for them, and that that propelled a really strong second quarter for them. So these are two teams in in vastly different directions right now. Um, and I, I think this has a little bit of room. I'd even play it at seven and a half as well. It opened at five and, and very quickly took money. So I think there's a little bit of room on this. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be looking to to fade these jazz as long as Lori um, is out. And Kelly Olenek, who's actually been their second best player by BPM this year, is questionable as well. So that's only an added bonus if he's out. But I, I like it even if he does play. Yeah, the Clippers had that win Wednesday night against the Nuggets. And I just feel like, you know, you come out early and the Nuggets, I think at the end of the first quarter, it just looks like another Nuggets-Clippers blowout, right? Like, oh, great. We've done this again. We put it on TV. Why is this on ESPN? And now all of a sudden, just like it's honestly one of Joker's worst nights of his like prime career. Like his shooting percentages were like an actual NBA player and not like every (laughs) other Jokic game ever. He missed so many shots. I mean, he's still a triple-double, of course, because Jokic. But I, I don't I don't take anything away from the Nuggets from that game. I don't really care. I'm not really sure I take a ton away from the Clippers as far as, like, next time they play again or a playoff matchup. But I think just mentally to get the win in a, in a matchup that has just been crushing you, that, like, you know, you know when this new schedule came out this week and the Clippers were like, are you kidding me? You're giving us the Nuggets again? Like, we get an extra Nuggets game early in the season, the way that that's gone for them. I think just mentally, and I think that matters with this team, with with Harden and with PG and what we've seen from some of these guys, like, to get the monkey off the back and, and just have that win. And what's your reward? No party night in Utah. Just go beat the Jazz, and you're <laughs> playing, like, a you know, the worst than the Pistons sort of speaks for itself. So, yeah, uh, certainly the Clippers should win uh jim how the clippers done lately against like the dregs of the league are they taking care of business in these games uh that's a great question why you go to joe for the prop and i'll i'll dig into that a little bit all right joe let's talk about your knicks and they drew in thanks to the in-season tournament loss they get a bonus game against boston sorry to new york fans for that one you're on jason tatum in this one yeah we got we got bonus games against the celtics and the bucks so just sick (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Awesome for us. Uh, but look, Tatum, this points line, I think is just too low. Uh, it's 25 and a half. Um, he, it, over the last couple, over the last two seasons and six regular season games against the Knicks, he's gone over this in five of them, averaging 30.7 points per game against the Knicks. Obviously, Chris Stapps Porzingis is supposed to return to this game. Um, I will be looking at Chris Stapps Porzingis' threes. Uh, so there is no line out at this point in time, or I didn't see a line out at the time of this recording. He absolutely mashes threes against the New York Knicks. Like, just bet it, forget it. It's going to come out at one and a half. It's going to be, it might even be like minus 110 because he's coming back off of injury. Bet it and forget it. But anyway, Tatum 
has not been impacted by having Porzingis there with him. Uh, and in the most recent game, dropped had 26 points uh, against the Knicks. And then in the game previous to that last season, you know, he had 35. So I think this is a good spot for him. I know that his points, his scoring has been down like a touch overall over the course of the season with, you know, having Drew Holiday, having Kristaps Porzingis in the fold along with along with Jalen Brown. Uh, but Tatum is too good of a scorer. The Knicks don't really have like a great defensive option to throw at him. Uh, you know, like you might see a little bit of time with Randall or like him having to defend Randall, who's in his like, I don't even know what's going on right now with Randall. Like guy just couldn't miss the other night. So um, we'll see what happens there. But I think this line is just a touch too low for a guy that has incredible usage and can kind of get into the teeth of the Knicks defense uh, in a way that, the other guys on the Celtics can kind of struggle to uh, with some of the other Knicks like guard play and the wing defenders like Josh Hart. So I like Tatum over 25 and a half. Yeah, we were chatting just before we hit record here, trying between the three of us to figure out why is this Tatum line so low? Usually that's a pretty good sign for an angle. If if like the line genuinely doesn't make sense and seems like it should be higher, probably tells me there's a good chance it will end up higher by tip. Uh, yeah. Jim, did you find the stat you're looking for? I did. So uh, interestingly enough, they really haven't played much of the dregs of the league. Their last 11 mm-hmm. games, they've only played uh, the Spurs. They did play them twice if, for a team with any losing record. So they have they, they smacked the Spurs, the Spurs the first game, beat them by 25. Um, it was a back-to-back both in San Antonio and they beat them by seven the second night. So mm-hmm. they really haven't had a chance to kind of um, play around with a, a team of this <laughs> poor uh, a level. Even that Spurs game was, uh, you know, almost three weeks ago now. So um, they, they've played some really tough opponents. and They've actually looked pretty good in those. So uh, that speaks to, you know, this mini turning of a corner. You never want to fully go all in on a Clippers team, especially with a, a long-term <laughs> focus. But for, for the moment, uh, I think I'm fine with uh, seeing seeing them against a, a bad team on, on uh, Friday here. Yeah, I like it. All right, so Jim is on Clippers minus six and a half at the Jazz and OKC minus three and a half against the Warriors. Joe in that game has got Chet Holmgren points and rebounds over 24 and a half. And then Jason Tatum against his beloved Knicks over 25 and a half points. Gentlemen, let's talk about the NBA in-season tournament. We just finished watching or pretending to watch at least the evening game that ended up I I don't even know what the final score was. It was like a 30 or 40 point margin for most of the second half. So yeah, we have the Indiana Pacers won the Vegas afternoon game that started out pretty dead in the crowd there, a little slow going, but heated up in the second half. We got another Tyrese Halliburton masterclass. The man has yet to commit a turnover at the in-season tournament knockout rounds between two games. Ridiculous. And then, you know, the Lakers just destroyed the Pelicans. So before we get to a championship look and just like early thoughts on this, and again, Sean and Matt, I think we'll be covering this as well. But Joe, from what we saw from just today's action, what what takeaways do you have? Is there anything to learn from the games we saw on Thursday? I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is him for sure. And uh, <laughs> LeBron is still dynamite like like when lebron wants to play like and it, like i get it like 
he he's older now. Like I say, he's older. Dude's not that old. Um, but like he's older for the NBA. When he wants to get up for a game, like he is getting up for a game, and it's impressive. Like it's crazy because it was he was without a question the best player on the floor in that game against the Pelicans. And if he, I think this style of tournament fits like what he can do really well because like he can just turn it on. Like he can, he's one of those players that can just hit the light switch, and it's like he's that dude. Um, and it's hard to say like you want anybody else besides him in a game, like one game that you have to win right now, the way that he's playing. So I think that it's going to be really interesting. And then the only other thing that I would note is that Indiana's defense, I don't think it's, it's not good, but what they're doing is I think that they've locked in like a little bit, they're a little bit crisper and it's like, are they making a movement in these games that kind of like quote unquote matter from going from like the worst defense in the league to even like, 20th and like what does that do when your offense is literally the best in the league the best in nba history so far yeah i think that's interesting and we i feel like we've seen in both of these pacers games to me i feel like i've seen them lock in in the second half like it takes mm-hmm. a while to get there it's a layup line early and then that intensity kind of takes up and that that makes sense too like it's it's a playoff setting the thing too about lebron that i think i just didn't really process this way and this is very narrative sort of thing that's lebron so we're going to do the narrative thing he never got to go to college right he never got to be in march madness he never got to play in a one game knockout tournament setting like this is a new thing for him and like look we don't need to do the the thing but michael jordan never got to do this like he he gets to do a thing that like jordan and bird and magic and all the other greats didn't get to do And like very clearly, we wondered, would the players matter? Guess what? (laughs) LeBron cares. And and if LeBron cares and LeBron wants to win right now, then everybody else is going to care all the other years in the future because like that's how this goes. And like that's LeBron, right? Like LeBron is setting the tone for this new thing and him and, and the Lakers, frankly, because the Lakers are important for the league, being there in the finals, like that matters in a positive way that will set the tone for this tournament being quote a thing going forward now. And I think I just, I didn't really think about just how much, I mean, obviously the legacy thing is always going to be in your mind with LeBron, but I think just the fun of being able to play in the one game knockout setting, he's never really had that for all the things he's done in his storied long career. It's just, it's a new, almost fun. Like it's, it's, I get to try a fun new thing and so I think we kind of have seen that even Matt was noting in our Slack, like, oh, LeBron did the crown thing on his head before the game. Like, you just can kind of see, like, we know now, we know when he looks locked in, and he obviously very much was tonight. Uh, Jim, what what did you take away from today's games? Yeah, well, I think it's it's so interesting because, you know, the NBA is the one league that you'll even hear like really sharp editors sometimes say you know, narrative in all other sports is like pretty bunk. There are times where in the NBA it does actually have a little bit that you have to pay some attention to. And then this this kind of looks like it. But I will say, and this is as a very uh, bitter man who has bet against these Lakers <laughs> consistently. Uh, I will say that it turns out that, you know, LeBron actually does have a big three again. It's LeBron, AD, and Lady Luck is playing a big role as that, that third key factor uh, on the Lakers here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you guys here. So in the, the Lakers this season, in the regular season, not including the um, in-season tournament games, which you have to kind of do a little bit of math um, with the NBA.com filters, but 
Uh, try to guess what the Lakers are shooting from three on those regular season, non-in-season games, and then what they are shooting from three in their in-season tournament games. So Ooh. I'll get two numbers from each of you guys. I All right, let's uh, let's start with the in-season okay. tournament. The, 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 let's do the, the tournament game percentage first. I will guess, I mean, like we didn't, we didn't already say it. That was clearly the story tonight. Like they just bombed from threes. They yeah. had, I think, 11 at the half. To me, there's no game takeaway from tonight because it just was like, all right, they made all their threes and the game was over instantly. So I, no more analysis from that. I'm going to say 43% in the tournament for the Lakers from three. Joe, what do you got? Yeah, I would say like 41% in tournament. And I was looking at this the other day. So like, I think for the full season. <laughs> so I'll let you guess first, Brandon. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go 35, 36%. For the non-tournament games. I think it was like 32% or something. It was bad. Like, it was like, I I remember looking at this because, like, the splits on, like, what, like, they're supposed to shoot, it was just, like, preposterous. It was terrible. (laughs) So, you guys were right directionally. Obviously, I was leading the witness. But (laughs) you didn't even go far enough. They're shooting 30.3% outside of the tournament and 44.9% in the tournament. That is wow. an absolutely insane split. Now, there is obviously noise in both directions. I don't think they're as bad as 30.3. I don't think they're as good as 44.9, but I really don't think they're as good as 44.9. I think it is <laughs> much closer to 30.3. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I'm, really not trying, I, I'm not trying to take away from their wins, but I do think that as we cap the this final championship game, it's something that needs to be thought about because this is, even though the Lakers did show like last season, they they went on a decent playoff run, and I think I underestimated them there as well. But that was I looked at that; they didn't shoot better from three. It wasn't like something like LeBron can get better open looks in the postseason, or he's you know he's more locked in, or these shooters like they are they're they're better than we think, and they shoot better in in these big moments. No, in fact, they shot a little bit worse in the postseason last year. So yeah. I think that's an incredibly noisy number. Um, and as we kind of lead into maybe some actionable bets here for the final, I have something that will tie into that because I do think it's going to come back to earth a little bit. Uh, 45 to 30%. It literally is a 50% jump in percentage for (laughs) those games. And it's like, we know, like we could do that. I'm sure for other teams and I'm I'm sure that teams that are eliminated have the opposite split where it's like, ah, that's, that's why a group play and a one, one game knockout. That's why you're going to get random teams. Like, look, a thing that I noted here that I think is actually kind of fun, it feels like, oh, well, it's the Lakers and LeBron, so of course they made the finals. But like the reality is, if you go by some of the metrics, not counting tonight's game because they're not included in these, but from basketball reference, Lakers were 21st in net rating entering tonight, 22nd in SRS, they're 25th yeah. in offense, they're 13 and 9, but those metrics say not you're in the finals of a tournament. They say you're not a playoff team. Like literally that's what I would say. The Pacers, they're just kind of fine. They're 11 and eight. They're 11th in net rating. They're 11th in SRS. Like they're the number one offense, number one pace. They're, they're kind of the, the, the Kings, right? They're the cute story that like, oh, the Pacers are fun and they'll lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like we know how we treat teams like that. In no world, in no NBA world, would you look blindly at a resume of what we're seeing from these two teams and be like, Oh, those are the two teams playing for a championship trophy. So like to, to the credit of a tournament, to the credit of the shooting luck that you're saying, Jim, like it's, you want lady luck in a tournament setting like this. I I didn't 
wouldn't have wanted it on LeBron's side. Wouldn't have picked it to go that way. Oh, good. The Lakers got another bit of luck in their favor. Finally, they're catching a break. But I think that's kind of the fun way to think about the tournament. So just to set up the final game, we're just still getting lines out. We're recording. This is about 1230 Eastern into Friday. So this line, I'm sure, will be moving. What we saw, it opened as Lakers minus two and a half against the Pacers. The Lakers were at minus 134 in the money line. Pacers plus 114. Total at 236 and a half, which initially I was like, what is happening with that? (laughs) As we stand right now at the one book I'm looking at, it is obviously we are getting some money on the Lakers, much to everyone's shock and awe. The Lakers are at minus three and a half now. Money line has moved to minus 164 for the Lakers, plus 138 for Indiana. And that total is indeed on the rise to 240. So initial, just looking at just those lines, before we get into props or anything else. And I've got a few questions for you guys as well as, as my experts, as the guy that's been watching football for three months. So just initial glance at the line and the matchup. Joe, what's your first thought that comes to mind seeing that? I mean, the first thing that we did was like, I bet the Lakers on the money line in part to hedge my Tyrese Halliburton MVP ticket, but then also just because like that line was going to move. Like there was no way we're not going to get public money on the Lakers like right away. Um, And I I wanted a little piece of it at the best number to kind of hedge my Halliburton ticket to an extent. And same thing with the over. Um, These Pacers games have just been like printing money on the over. But I do think that there's going to be an opportunity. I, like I kind of want to buy back on the under like later. Mm. I want to see like where this closes um, and maybe either try to middle it or, you know, put in like a bigger position on the under in large part, talking about the three point numbers and the three point metrics that you guys have talked about the Lakers per 100 possessions per basketball reference, take the fewest three pointers per game. The Pacers do a really good job of driving people off of the three-point line. So it kind of like plays into like what the Lakers do kind of plays into like what the Pacers like want you to do. So in a way, I do think it favors the Lakers because like they don't have to really deviate from what they want to do because they just want to put their heads down and half back dive into the paint. Um, That's what they want to do. And I do think that that's like a little bit tougher than for Indiana because if they do want to like change they're gonna have to like change their scheme they're gonna have to do something a little bit different I I just think that there's not going to be as much three-point volume from the Lakers here to kind of like steer the ship or so to speak uh and I can see this like being a little bit more of like a heavy intensity defensive game we've seen Indiana like I mentioned before kind of lock in a little bit um and you know like if LeBron wants to play defense he also, he becomes an incredible defender when he wants to play defense just because of his IQ and like what that does to the rest of the team. So I, I think that there's going to be a buyback opportunity uh, given the fact that it opened at 236 and a half. We're at a 240 uh, and it's not even like an hour after post. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised to see this. Like we saw this Bucks Pacers total go up. I think it was literally 10 points from the open. So uh, and it went under. So I think that there's an opportunity to buy back a little bit on an offense again especially with the Lakers offense it's like not particularly good overall yeah I think that that makes a lot of sense I have a couple of comments to reply but Jim what are you thinking so far just initial thoughts seeing the lines here yeah I was pretty surprised to see it open Lakers only minus two and a half we talked about and by way I mean you Brandon you pointed out that this Lakers <laughs> this Vegas uh arena was going to be 
Laker, Laker, Laker. And I think I saw Sean Little, who we, we said is at the tournament, saying that it seemed like it was like 97% Lakers fans and 3% people who took the points, which I thought was a great line. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think it was 100% Lakers fans, basically, and a few people who maybe were trying to fade them. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking it was going to be about five and a half, to be honest. Um, I don't really have a lean on a side here, um, in part because I would probably look towards the Pacers. But I, I this, this Lakers team, yeah, I can't tell if this – is a, a ticking time bomb for regression or if they really are locked in right now. And LeBron, you know, LeBron did like, it, it, it's been incredible watching him the last two games. And this is coming. I, I am typically the high man on LeBron and I've just been doubting him over and over again. It's a, it's, it is truly amazing at this point, what, what he's doing. So I, I, I'm with Joe though. I, I kind of want to let this get steamed up and then look towards the under um, part of it is that shooting regression. And then I do think that, um, you know, we haven't necessarily seen this be the case. So, you know, proceed with caution. But in theory, this is a playoff type atmosphere, which does tend to skew more under than over. So if we put those two factors together, again, if it gets steamed up high enough, I'll probably be looking to go under if we can get it into the mid 240s. I'll definitely be be looking at that. Um, But as as of this second, um, there's nothing on the, the side or total that is I feel like I have to jump at, but I'm curious, Brandon, I know Joe said he was, um, you know, he, he grabbed that Lakers number real quick because of the Halliburton. Are you doing anything for, for your Halliburton hedge or just riding it to glory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I think I'm probably just going to ride it to glory at this point because I, I, I am embracing the magic of the cup and I, I, I just like, you know, Jim, you and I both watch soccer. We watch our teams play in some of these like domestic cups and these sort of tournaments something happens here and like (laughs) going into the game the first game monday night i i don't get any credit for this This is not a victory lap because i didn't bet it it's nowhere i just thought that the Celtics were going to lose to the pacers because it just felt like the way the tournament had to start it was our first ever knockout game in a march madness type setting and like when March Madness starts, there's always that for me in Central Time, eleven fifteen tip for the first game, <laughs> and there's that first window of four games. I always, always, always pick an upset in that first window because it just in my head, there's always an early upset. That's how you know the tournament has really started. And it just felt like, you know, the the Pacers, the Celtics in that game Monday, the Celtics went on a big run at the yep. end of the half. And most of the time just like, oh, well, that's it. The Celtics are better and they kind of pull away now. And the Pacers just kind of hang around and hang around and they keep running down your throat. And suddenly Tyrese Halliburton puts up a ton of threes or suddenly, you know, tonight near there, I guess this afternoon, whenever the stupid game was in in Vegas, suddenly it's like we got Nemhard making plays and TJ McConnell like slapping the ball out of bounds off of dudes and like just Cinderella-y stuff. And I, I to me, I think that I will expect the Lakers to get up ahead. I have a couple of reasons for that. Basically all the stuff that you guys said, I will wait, but I think that I might actually, this will I'm sure shock you. I might just double down and bet on the Pacers (laughs) again. And I want to bet live though, when I think that the Lakers get a lead and then there'll be this like swell of money coming in, like, okay, got to get our Lakers while we can. So you guys want to come back on the under, I want to come back on the Pacers. I think, Partly because here's my main thing. Joe, you talked about the three-pointers thing, and I I agree. That was one of the points I wanted to bring up. On the other end of things, the Lakers allow the top top five most three-pointers and three-point attempts. Pacers are top 10 in three-point attempts by rating, but they're number three in makes. They're third in percentage. 
And I, I do the thing where I fall into the trap of, well, here's what I would do if I was coaching this game. But it is Rick Carlisle. So I'm going to assume Rick Carlisle is smart and better than I am at coaching. What I would do is I think the Pacers need to come into this game assuming they're the underdog here. Oh, yeah. And I think when you're the underdog in March Madness setting, in a one-game setting, what do you do? One way to overcome being the underdog is you crank up the variance by jacking a bunch of threes. And we got Buddy Heald, we got Tyrese Halliburton, like two of the best shooters in the league, other shooters on the team. Halliburton, I looked up, I think I will look for Halliburton props. Obviously, we all will, but specifically... Halliburton threes last seven games Halliburton's shooting 11 and a half threes per game and averaging 5.1 makes on threes not not tournament games like those are just the last seven consecutive games that he's played it's a huge number he's averaging 32.3 points a game during that stretch like I think you just go bombs away and if you can go bombs away that increases the variance to to come back from behind from like the Lakers eight point, twelve point lead, whatever, boom, suddenly you hit like two, three threes in a row and you can close a gap in a hurry. And like we've seen you know, we've seen lines bounce around in games like this. We've seen in playoff settings the last couple of years, big comebacks, right? Where the game should have been over and there was a big comeback later. So, you know, certainly there's part of that that's just begrudging Brandon not willing to accept LeBron winning yet another thing. Like, that's for sure part of that cap, I'm sure. But what do you guys think about just the idea of cranking up the three-point variance and possible big swings in a game like this? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, that that kind of is how Indiana has operated, right? And, like, they're by increasing the number of possessions, um, it's interesting, right? Because like if you play faster, in theory, some of that variance should even out because you have more possessions for it to even out. So it it's definitely like a it's it's definitely interesting. But I do think that what I'm curious to see is will either team like pivot from their strategy. So like for you, like you're kind of saying like Indiana, will they jack up the three point variance or like, will yeah. they just run their offense? Because like they kind of shoot a lot of threes anyway. My thing, I think the big question is honestly, will the Lakers, because we've seen this before, like will LeBron cover Halliburton? Because if LeBron covers Halliburton, that's going to be a problem for Indiana because that is like, he has the size. He can probably keep up like speed wise. Halliburton's not like the fastest dude. Um, if that happens, that's a, that's a problem. And I think that that's like something we've seen LeBron do. He's done it to Curry. He's done it to like, you know, we've seen it happen like in the playoffs before. So I'm not, I'm nervous to see like exactly what happens there. Uh, you know, because like I have that type of Halliburton ticket, um, but I do think that jacking up the variance, at least from a three-point perspective, and increasing the speed might make it harder for a guy like LeBron to cover somebody that's like the engine of an offense like that, at least for an extended period of time. But, you know, maybe in crunch time, where we've seen Halliburton be so good, he's also played these teams where they haven't really put anybody on him like that. Uh, like, you know, like he obviously, like Drew Holiday was obviously on him. Derek White was on him. But, you know, that he was still able to facilitate with everybody else. So that, that's what I'm curious to see. Like, will a team in this game, now that it's a title game, will we see some, like, strategy or, like, some modifications to the game plan? I think I'm with you, like, 90% of the way, Brandon, with one tiny tweak. Because I do think that this is the perfect game to live bet because it is going to be such high variance. 
But the tiny tweak I will put on is I'll be looking to bet the Pacers spread live. I and maybe even to like plus three and a half, four and a half. I think that if the Pacers are mounting a comeback, I'm not team NBA is rigged. I am team LeBron <laughs> complains all the time and it pays off and the Lakers get a friendly whistle down the line. And I don't think the NBA would hate to see the Lakers win this thing. So I don't think I'll live bet the Pacers money line, but I think I will definitely live bet. Like if they get down 10, 11, 12, and you can get plus 12 and a half, 14 and a half, 16 and a half. Yeah. I would snatch that up. I would even do like an alt within there if if, if that's possible yeah. and get like a plus four and a half or something like that at a decent number. But the money line scares me a tiny bit just because of of that that potential for a close game whistle going um, LeBron in the Lakers way. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I had this in my notes as well. We, you talked about the home court advantage. Obviously, we have no idea if that was anything tonight because it was like a 3,000 point game. So uh, Matt has an article up at Action Network I feel like uh, I think you said a few bookmakers gave it like a half point toward the Lakers. So not basically negligible, but home court to me, why that could matter is because it's going to help influence the refs a little bit. And if it does influence the refs, they're not going to need any help in this one. And that is not (laughs) a Lakers bias statement. That is a style of play thing because get ready for it. The Lakers are number four in drawing free throws per field goal attempt. The Pacers are last in foul rate. They foul on over 25% of opponent field goal attempts. That's going to be a problem. That is going to be a big problem. And like, Joe, I think you were very charitable saying that they do a good job at limiting opponent three-point attempts. I feel like that's a charitable way of just saying that they don't play defense and opponents can just get to the rim every time that they feel like it. Yeah, so I, mean, they allowed, I lawyered it. I lawyered it. You, you did. <laughs> they allow the fewest threes. They allow the most twos. And they also, here's the combo that's real bad. It's one thing if you allow the most twos by design, but like your two-point percentage is low. Nope. They're dead last in two-point percentage defense. 65.5% allowed. So yeah, the math on that is every two-pointer is worth 1.3 points per possession. Lakers are going to shoot a lot of twos, and if they get 1.3 every time they do it, this is why we all agree the Lakers are the team that should be favored here because yeah. they, they've they got that advantage. They obviously have a big size advantage. Pacers are a bottom five rebounding team. So, like, as I thought about where the variance could come from, the Pacers don't really force a lot of turnovers. They won't turn it over themselves, but I don't think that's going to be a huge swing necessarily. They're not going to get a big rebounding advantage, though they did have a lot of offensive rebounds in the Thursday game here. So maybe, but I I think three pointers has to be the way they come up with it. Um, A note on pace, obviously Indiana is number one on pace. The Lakers are ninth. So that was why I thought money might come in on the over, but you're right. Obviously pace slows down in a playoff setting. Uh, Just real quick. We talked about MVP. Obviously if the Pacers win, Halliburton is the MVP. So if you want to bet Pacers money line of some sort, like, definitely just bet Halliburton MVP, but it'll probably basically be the same odds. Do we think that that is also true of LeBron and the Lakers? Can Anthony Davis win MVP? Is there anyone else that could win besides LeBron or Halley? Jim, what do you think? Yeah, I'm really curious. This is, this is one that it's tough because we have no point of basis for this. Like there are no past seasons to compare this to. I have thought for a while that, it is going to be weighed heavily what it happens in the final game. That being said, LeBron almost seems like the one player who is like bulletproof in that sense. Like AD, unless he goes for like 
50 and 25 with some like Wilt Chamberlain numbers, you know, I, I don't see a way in which LeBron doesn't win it. And again, and Halliburton's almost the same. We're in a very interesting spot where it seems like there are two very, very obvious candidates and it's baked into their numbers as well. Um, I do think if, if, you know, going back to that Halliburton hedge, I, I think a LeBron MVP is a safe hedge to if you want to grab a couple extra points on the money line. I, I suppose there is a universe in which AD goes crazy and LeBron maybe gets like tweaks an ankle or something, but we're really going to extremes to have to try yeah. to find a very narrow margin for what I think is is not a very likely event. I mean, you can get LeBron at minus 120 to win MVP at BetMGM, which is, I believe, the best price in the market um, overall. And the highest I'm seeing Anthony Davis is like around 14 to 1. Um, and then you're seeing Halliburton basically plus 110. Like I, the the line on <laughs> Halliburton is actually like implying that he could win in a loss. Like yeah. I think that there—that's actually the way that this is setting up. Like you should, his line shouldn't be plus one ten. Like it should be at least what the money line is, if not a little bit higher. And it's not. Like they have Halliburton. I'm seeing like plus one ten, plus one twenty five. And when we look at the spread here, the Pacers are plus one thirty eight. <laughs> so like the, the, the line is actually implying that he could win in the loss. That would be Did Brandon's tackling. You guys know like, I will never so show bad. up on buckets again if our 70 to 1 Tyrese Halliburton ticket loses despite them winning the title, winning the cup, and of all people, LeBron steals it away. This this may be my final episode if that is the case. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, speaking so. of which, let's let's transition really quick to just like a 10-minute Futures Friday segment. Something a little fun here we wanted to do. We'll make it actionable for you. So, of course, this week, the college football playoff came out with their final four rankings. Florida State fans, we're sorry. You're going to be enjoying a game against Georgia and not playing in the playoff. So we wondered, what if the NBA season ended right now, this moment, and the three of us are going to be the committee. We're going to choose our four-team playoff talk through a little bit and then just what it means for a future, how, how it might impact how we're thinking about this thing. So we each made our top seven, submitted them blindly and kind of put things together. We're going to go through as quickly as just so that we don't take too long and upset our producers too much here. But at the very top, I think it's pretty obvious. The Celtics are the one seed. They are 15 and five. They're number one in net rating, number one SRS. They're the title favorite. They're the pretty easy one seed. I won't say who, but one of us did not put them as our number one. Had the number two, <laughs> but d- d- Joe, let me just ask you: Do you agree the Celtics can be our consensus number one seed? They can be consensus number one, begrudgingly, <laughs> begrudgingly. <laughs> okay, so the Celtics are the one seed. That's pretty obvious. They got to be in the tournament. Obviously, like we're going to talk through down the line here, but like we only get four, so that's one. We're down to three slots left for our tournament. So. Up next, let's talk about the defending champions, the Denver Nuggets. For me, as the committee chairperson, I was like, am I really leaving the defending champs and and Jokic out of this? I feel like no. Uh, The the Nuggets are right now 14-8. They're top nine in net rating in SRS, which, you know, is 
good, but not top four. Not really that close. They are seven and two with Jamal Murray. They've got Jokic. Jim, you had the Nuggets in your top four. Is there a world where we do this tournament without the Nuggets? No, I don't think so. I, 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 in fact, I had them second for a hot minute. I slipped them down to third at the very last second for a team that hopefully we get to in a minute. Um, but I had the same thing as you. They're seven and two with Murray, and Murray just came back. So I think if we try and think of this in like, yeah, committee college <laughs> football framing, they just got the star player back. They're, they're, if they get left out, it's, it's chaos. It's pandemonium. It's no good. Um, they've got some impressive wins. Jokic is the best player in the world, hands down, right now. Like you, you can't leave him out. I so I, I think they absolutely have to be. I think they're not a Celtics lock, but only because they've had a little bit of bad luck with Murray being injured, and that they are. It's those two as the top two. Yeah, to me it was the Nuggets. The Celtics are the one seed lock. The Nuggets are a top four lock, but we can talk about where in the four they yeah. should go. Is kind of how I viewed it. Joe, any thoughts on the Nuggets to add? Yeah, I mean, I think that they've been, they're kind of one of those teams like you have to keep them in. They're, they're the reigning champs, like Jokic is the best player in the world. Uh, but they haven't looked as good. They just haven't yeah. looked as good. And like, there's definitely some question marks in terms of the health. So, you know, like we've had guys in and out of the lineup due to injury. Um, I don't, I don't know how much they care about the regular season, to be honest with you, this year. I think they just are like, we'll make it to the playoffs and we'll worry about it then because we can beat anybody. And like, even when we were the best team and we were the top seed, we got gifted with the Phoenix Suns. So like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, okay. In our rating system, I did not reveal this to you beforehand, but we ranked our top seven. I just gave it seven points for first down to one for seven. So the Celtics came in with 20 points. They had two firsts and a second place. Cough, Joe, cough. So that was our number one. The Nuggets are not number two. They came in third with 14. We had a clear three, and then after that, it's absolute chaos for the final spot. So before we get to the chaos, give me your guess, either one of you, hop in. Who is our other consensus has to be their top three team? Got to be Minnesota, Minnesota, right? Joe's title pick. 80 to one, baby. (laughs) (laughs) It is, in fact, Minnesota. They came in second in our voting system. And as the resident Timberwolves fan on the podcast, I definitely ranked them last between the three of us. So (laughs) I'm not the reason the Timberwolves were so high. You guys had them higher than me. They obviously have the number one record. They're 16 and four. So, you know, college football style wise, we got to include the team with the best record. They're top four SRS, top four net uh, net rating, number one defense. Uh, Obviously, you have Ant like the next big star or one of them in the NBA. You want to get the big star there, the future. Uh, you want the Big Ten champion there, right, Minnesota? So, Joe, I believe if I remember right, this was your number one team, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think they're really good. Like, and I think, and I think that when we look at this, right, like they're still holding the number one defense. Jaden McDaniels has been out since November twentieth, and he's instrumental to that defense. And they're still number one. Um, and he's just got cleared to work out, participate in individual on court activities. So, like, he's somebody that's coming back. I think this team can only get better realistically um you know and like as he's kind of improving i think over just generally like day in day out he kind of continues to keep getting better we're kind of seeing a little bit more rapport between especially between him and like rudy gobert i think is interesting uh and carl anthony towns is just you know he's doing what he's got to do so i think the team is i think the team is good i don't know i think that they've 
right now it almost feels like they're built for the regular season. Like maybe we need to see it in the postseason. But based on what I've seen this year, they are definitely formidable. They care about the regular season. And when you have like a defensive anchor like Rudy Gobert, like your defensive metrics are going to be awesome throughout the regular season. So nobody's playing anything like really out of the ordinary. And it seems like whatever they've got going on is like working this year. You know, like I think it's like another full year, full off season with Finch. Uh, I love Minnesota. I think that this is uh, I think they're going to be really good this year. All right, Timberwolves are in our bracket. Jim, just in the in the interest of time, I'm going to let you make the decision here. Who gets the better seed, the Timberwolves or the Nuggets? Oh, this is awesome because this this plays perfectly into to what I was about to say, which is that I originally had the Nuggets at two, and I flipped them last second uh, because I was trying to fully get into that NCAA football mindset. And there were two determining factors there that, that led me to Minnesota. One is that they've won 15 of their last 17. So if we were doing a weekly poll, uh, they would definitely, they're the team that has, you know, they started maybe a little bit lower, but they just keep climbing and climbing and climbing. And they're higher in the poll, even if it doesn't entirely make sense. And that's, so that's half of it. And the other half is they have the key wins. They have wins over Boston and Denver head to head. Again, this is not a sport where you only get one game head to head and you really have to make it count. But those are two incredibly impressive wins. I'm going with Minnesota. It'll be that classic game where it's in Minnesota, but all of us are all over Denver because we think <laughs> that that's actually the much better team. And we're, we move the line six points between open and, and close and, and then Denver loses by one or something. But I, I think we give it to, to Minnesota as the two seed. Yeah, I mean, look, in the world that we are creating, you do only get one game against some of these teams. And they do have the head-to-head against Denver and against Boston. So, yeah, I, I didn't think about that till you were, were bringing it up. And I was like, oh, I know exactly where he's going with this. And I ended up putting the Wolves at number four. I kind of debated. They, they were my last team in against another couple teams. But I, I thought I was just trying. I, I, I have in my notes I was going to recuse myself from, from that discussion. So <laughs> I will let you guys give the uh, Timberwolves to number two. Let's put in the Nuggets at three then, since we had a clear top three. Here's where we're at from there, and we're going to have to do this quickly. (laughs) Here's our votes for number four. We had six other teams receiving votes, because again, we did a top seven. So I'm going to go from the bottom to the top, and then each one of you gets to make the case for one team. I'll do the same, and then we're just going to decide, because that's what we have time for. So number nine, receiving one vote. I won't tell you who it was from. The mighty Golden State Warriors getting a vote on the back of the ballot because I felt like it. Number eight, <laughs> with four points in the voting, only from one person. Number eight, the Philadelphia 76ers. Controversy. Wow. Number seven, wow. <laughs> getting five points in the voting system, only because I made Joe revise his ballot to take them off of number one initially. The Indiana Pacers coming in at number seven. Number six is the Lakers with six points in the voting. Uh, Right above them are the Milwaukee Bucks with seven points. And by our voting alone, the team that would make it in at number four is the Oklahoma City Thunder at eight points in the voting. So again, top to bottom, Thunder, Bucks, Lakers, and then Pacers, Sixers, Warriors. And I will point out that Pacers, Sixers, and Warriors all got votes from only one of us. So I'm actually going to executively rule all three of those out in the interest of time. We've got to choose either the Thunder, the Bucks, or the Lakers. We have one spot left. Who wants to go first? 
I think I think it's got to be the Lakers, like just based on the fact that we're watching this in season tournament going on right now. They're in the finals. Like just if we're going to use like any sort of tiebreaker, it's like, well, in a March Madness style bracket, like the Lakers are going to do it. They're going to show up. They're going to try. You have LeBron who just looks ageless. And uh, you had, uh, you know, you had the Bucks. like the Bucks just lost to the Pacers and the Pacers appropriately got more votes than them <laughs> so uh in this poll so i no i think that i think the lakers are just a more compelling team they're a team that i would want to watch in this type of format um i like oklahoma city uh that would probably have them next i think that the bucks should be last just based on the fact that like i don't think they have it together right now uh in the interest of ncaa goofy arguments one would make in a situation like this the Lakers are undefeated now that Jared Vanderbilt has returned to the lineup. <laughs> so that's happening. And once they moved Austin Reeves to the bench, they are 11-4. That is a 60-win pace, gentlemen. The Lakers are nearly unstoppable with Vando <laughs> and with Reeves off the bench. They're also, now after tonight, tied for fourth in wins. We only need four. So obviously, obviously, the Lakers and all their money and market and LeBron should be in the finals like, Let's be honest, the real committee would just put the Lakers in and that would be the end of the conversation. Jim, who's your pick for our last team in? I, I, if I can't make the case for the Sixers, which I, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I can't even make the case for Sixers. I think I do have to go with the Lakers too. I think in part because we want to sell tickets to this event and in part because <laughs> they, they are trending in the right direction. I, I don't think they're this good of a team, but I do think there is something to be said for now, you know, a year plus of seeing them lift their level of play in playoff type atmospheres. Le- LeBron's Heat teams finished fourth in the East. I-, I do think there is something to be said to not weigh exactly what they have done and instead look at what we want to bring to this tournament. Um, I do, th- and I'm, I'm with Joe actually in lockstep that the, the Thunder would be after that. Again, my actual four is Sixers, so I don't agree with any of this. <laughs> But since I have been banned from talking about how good Embiid is actually playing this year, uh, I will go with the Lakers. Listen, if if we're the committee, we get to make up our own rules. And if I'm going to be a committee and make up my own rules, there's no way in heck I'm giving a vote to Philadelphia after everything I've done on Twitter the last two weeks. So get out of here, Sixers. For the record, the Bucs were number two on my ballot. So they would be my clear choice here. Uh, they're top six still in SRS and net rating, which surprised me for like the conversation about them is their record is good, but they haven't looked the part. They didn't look the part this week. I didn't think they were very good in either one of these games that we saw. But you have the star power. You have Giannis. You have Dame. Look, at the end of the day, though, in NCAA, we watch the conference championship games. That's the last taste you get. And then you go make the bracket afterward. We just got a taste of the Lakers and they won their conference championship game by 3000 points over the Pelicans. And like if the real committee got to see that and saw LeBron look like he did this week and saw the Lakers look like the Lakers, I think we know how this would go. So we're going to give the Lakers the four seed. I, I, I am not giving them my vote uh, in classic gym form here. I would give my vote <laughs> to the Bucks, but we're going to call it two to one because you guys both had the Lakers. So I told you we had to make it actionable. So to wrap it up here as the clock strikes midnight central, our tournament bracket is Boston 1, Minnesota 2, Denver 3, Lakers 4. This is Futures Friday, gentlemen. So to make this actionable for our listeners, Joe, what is one actionable takeaway that you could think of from, you know, thinking of title, MVP, et cetera, looking forward from what we just talked about? 
I think you can take the Timberwolves to win the division at like plus 180. They have a little bit of a lead over uh, the Nuggets right now. Uh, They have a two-game lead over them. Uh, And part of why I like this is like what I've said, the Denver, I don't know how much they necessarily care about being the one seed or winning the division or whatever the circumstances are. Uh, And I like what Minnesota is doing defensively. I think that this is something that they can sustain over the course of the season. Obviously, like you need Gobert to be in there, but like that's kind of what we're talking about. Minnesota has been healthy. Denver has not been healthy. And like, I think that they are going to take some of like some of their guys and try to limit some of their exposure uh, if there is any type of risk of injury because they are trying to win another title here um, and they know that they have the tools they have the roster to do so so I think at plus 180 given the fact that we're what are we 25 percent of the way through the season and we have they have a four game lead in the loss column over Denver right now I think that this is this number is like it's just a little sticky on the fact that Denver is the reigning champ. So at plus 180, I'll dabble with Minnesota to win the division. All right, Jim. Mine's mine's a little briefer, but a little big picture as well. Um, my biggest thing is that, and please repeat this to me in April if I have forgotten by then, this Lakers team this, it, on paper is not what they are in the playoffs. And it, it burned me a, in a couple of series last year, and it burned me in this in-season. And it, it really shouldn't. I, 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 like I have said many times, I have long been the LeBron supporter. And it's, it's funny that I have now flipped and I, I can't get out of my head that these Lakers aren't that good. But we have seen now time and time and time again that they do have at least some ability to step up a little bit. Again, I don't think they're a 45% you know, shooting team from three. But I do think they have an ability to play above their, you know, as you said, 22nd ranked uh, SRS rank coming into this game tonight they are not that team and I, I need to not weigh that as heavily uh and then my only other takeaway is that i think uh if it's not at the books i can at least bet 76ers with my fellow action network employees maybe i'll take some head-to-heads with brandon <laughs> uh come postseason because i think i will once again be the high man on the sixers uh come april I'm glad you said it because I was going to say, I, be- I believe your correct action will take away. One of them needed to be that you need to get some money on the Sixers oh, yeah. because you- you're the one of the three of us that uh, in my notes, I had Sixers equal Notre Dame. Like we, we already know it's going to happen <laughs> in the tournament. I don't need them in my bracket. They're going to sell some tickets and then just flame out in the first round. So come <laughs> at me, Philly fans. My takeaway is very, very Brandon-esque, I think, about the Celtics. Like, we didn't have to talk about how obvious that they were at number one. And also Joe and I didn't consider Philadelphia a top seven threat in our team and Milwaukee. You guys both are down on the Celtics are in the Eastern conference. And it just feels like they, like we think they're the best team anyway, but also the nuggets have all the stuff we said about the Timberwolves. And we didn't even really talk about the thunder that much, but like we'd have a lot of good stuff to say about them. We got the Lakers, who look really great right now. We didn't talk about the Clippers. They could still be in a, you know any given week in the mix. Um, the Warriors, if they get something going. the I don't know. Like, there, there are like three or four other teams. The Pelicans, a lot of us thought the Pelicans might win against the Lakers tonight. They did not. They really, really, truly did not. But <laughs> there, there just are a lot of, like, a lot of minds, right? Like a lot of, a lot of dangerous spots in the West. It just still doesn't feel like that in the East. So I think my takeaway is that to me, I just have the Celtics in a tier on their own. Even as I had the Bucks second, like I should be the one least wanting to bet the Celtics since I have the team closest to them. And I just think that the gap is so clear here. And like really, as we choose our final fourth team here, 
Uh, hey, we made a Boston Lakers first round matchup. Good job to us. We're all getting raises after this, Welcome, by the Adam. way. <laughs> but uh, honestly, whoever we picked at the fourth is going to just be a ginormous underdog to Boston in our little tournament anyways, because of how we had the bracket set up. So to me, that's the takeaway is don't bet Boston now, but just like, wait, I already know who I think is the best team Buy a bunch and look for the spot. And and when is, you know, they're going to have a a four game losing streak or they're going to have some injuries or something. This is the team that I think is best by margin in this league. And so that's the team that I should be waiting to bet. So that's my Friday futures takeaway. And that's it. We're going to wrap up. We are still under an hour. I'm calling that success, guys. We did it. It's time to sleep. Saturday night, Pacers, Lakers for all the glory. Sean and Matt will be back and give you a little more update live from Vegas. That's it. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the championship. Let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.